Well, as you've prepared to listen to David White in conversation, I just want to warn you that we're about to talk about some strong, potentially distressing content for the next few minutes. This is the Excess Manchester Football Social's Forever Blue. Well, tonight's Forever Blue is slightly different than normal because there hasn't been a game just recently. So what I've decided to do is to bring in one of my pals and one of my heroes, David White, to talk about his life and career. And uh, David, you've had, thank, first of all, thanks for coming in. Appreciate that. No problem. Good now, to see you. Now, you had a book out what, 18 months ago, something like yeah, that. Yeah, probably less than that, probably about 13 months ago, I think it was, it was published. Shades of Blue. Yes, Shades of Blue, that's correct, yeah. And you've had a very, shall we say, interesting life. Um, <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> and there will be people who will be slightly aware of, of one of the subject areas that we're going to talk about, which is the, the abuse that you suffered as a youngster. So I just want to say to anybody who's listening at the moment that that is an area you don't want people who are with to listen to. There shouldn't be any concerns, but I'm just letting you know that this is one of the subjects that we will be talking about. Now, to put it into context for people who perhaps don't know you, you your career went from the 80s into the 90s. You, you, you played over 350 games for City, scored nearly 100 goals. And I think it's fair to say that you lived the dream, really, because you were a, a blue as... Well, your dad particularly was a blue as a lad, wasn't he? Yeah, I think that's that's definitely fair to say. It was, um, my dad was, you know, one of these guys who'd go, loved his football, he'd, he'd go um, Old, uh, Old Trafford one week, Main Road the next. What was what was always a, a City fan. I think a lot of people did that did that back back then when you could and, and uh, when the ground, grounds were maybe easier to get into. He just loved his football. Uh, grew up as a City fan in, in the forties um, and into the fifties, and was at Wembley in fifty uh, five and fifty six. So, you know, it, it was. Um, I, I kind of grew up to the um, the bless them all, bless them all chance, and um, and and then obviously through that to Bell and Lee and Summerby, there, there were some brilliant eras, two two really good city eras, weren't they? In, in the in the fifties and then in the late sixties, seventies, and uh, and then fortunately for for many years the the fans had to suffer uh, until we got this this wonderful crop of players now. But so yeah, it, it was a it was always a dream from being a as long as I can remember to to be a footballer, but more particular to to play for City. So when the opportunity came along, as a as a ten year old kid, it, it really was a dream come true. You grew up in Ermston, didn't you? Uh, I, I grew up in Eccles. Eccles. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's funny. It's my mum always asked me what I was. I was born in Ermston. I was, I was born at Ermston Cottage Hospital, but we lived over the canal in Eccles. And even my mum says to me, "Why why did you put that? Why do people always say that?" But it's uh, I think it was probably what was on. <laughs> My birth certificate, and whenever asked, um, I would always say I was born in Ermston. But you know, it was uh, I, I grew up just over the canal in Eccles. So, what sort of kid were you? I mean, were you an academic? Was it always about football? Were you a bit of a scally? What, no, what sort just, of kid no, were you? No, well, I, I was certainly not a scally, um, uh, and I, I was just fortunate that um, I was good. Oh, I wouldn't say I was good at all sports. I wouldn't. I certainly didn't excel at all sports. I could. I could do most sports at sort of school level, but that was that was about it. Anybody who was at school with would say I could probably swing a cricket bat. That was about it. I was I was always very very fast, um, and and football was was an absolute passion. And I was just lucky that I was able to. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself an academic, but I, I was I was fairly clever. I was good at remembering things. I think would be, and and I always had a a, a good work ethic. I think that was massively important. That when when I needed to at school. I would get the work done. I would put the hours in to, to do that, and I did that with my football as well. So I was uh, I was going to describe myself as anything as a kid. It would be you know 
single-minded and, and dedicated to because I, I knew um, my 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 dad loved his football. He, he was a he was a successful business person. Um, my mum was was an academic, very very clever woman, and so we there was always the balance between between the two. And I, I knew I had to keep keep my dad happy and and keep my mum happy as well. And both both were right, and and uh, I was lucky enough I was able to do that. Clearly, the first time I came across you was when you were a youth player at City, and by then you were already physically more powerful, stronger, faster than most of your age group. Was that something you were aware of as a kid that you were, or were you always bigger and stronger than everybody else? Or I, that... I, I, I don't know. To, to be honest with you, it, it's an odd one, really, because um, I look back at pictures from me being in the youth team, 80, 84 to eighty six. Uh, I got in the team fairly early. I was always a, a big lad. I, I never. Uh, thought himself as powerful, and I'm quite surprised myself when I look at pictures now. And oh, God, you were you were a lot bigger, a lot, a lot more developed than a lot of these lads. I I I thought of the likes of certainly Paul Mould and certainly Steve Redmond as big, powerful players. And and uh, I, I, if I remember him back, I, I'd have them as down as being much more powerful. And they were, in fairness, they were, although much slighter in in uh, in, in stature. Um, Far more aggressive, far more powerful, and and it, it was it was not something really that in um, aggression. It was it, you never talk, you know, you never find anybody talking about David White as being an aggressive player. It, I became more powerful and more aggressive and more aware of my size and and and, and needing to to use that uh, later on. But I I uh, in some ways my, my speed, I would say, obviously it was a massive plus for me that I, w- I was so quick, but. In many ways, it stopped you developing other areas of your game. So it stopped me. Um, I remember one of my one of my youth team coaches, well, schoolboy coaches, really, telling me early, "You need you need a trick," and it, it was something I never ever sort of developed in my game because I, I never really needed it. I always relied relied on my pace, and, and likewise with, uh, with with using the the power I had as a, as a young player. Probably it didn't develop into my game until uh, I became a lot a lot more mature. I can certainly confirm that when I first looked at you in the youth level, it, you used to just push it past defenders and just bomb off and leave them, leave yeah, them stood in your way. You, you, um, I remember when I was uh, first an apprentice and uh, Tony and Glenn were looking after us, and and uh, I just thought that's what you did. I just thought you got the ball out on the right wing, you you, you knocked it past one side of the, of the fullback, you ran past the other side, you know. And I, it, it was just normal for me to the for the fullback to be nowhere near me, obviously. As you you go into um, the uh, the full time game into the professional game, people aren't going to be be beaten, but with tricks like that. And Glenn, Glenn taught me very very early on, you're not going to get away with that son, and and uh, and, and he was right. And uh, so I, I I had to become a little bit more cuter, but never you know never really developed a trick. And uh, so it's 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 odd how sometimes you your real assets, mine being the pace there, can can kind of work against you. And I, and I felt it did in that respect. If I had a trick in my game, um, I'd have been a much better player. Well, you're a pretty good player anyway, Thank so you. don't put yourself <laughs> down. Um, obviously, when you were f- very young, that was when you were being first spotted, yep. when you were first trying to make your way in the game. And this is when, as you p- pointed out in the book, you suffered abuse at the hands of one of your coaches as a youngster. Yeah. Um, it's not something that I want to go into a great deal of detail in, and I don't think you would want to do that anyway. From to, knowing, to be you. honest, I, I'm, and it doesn't doesn't bother bother me. I've, I've um, not not the right words. Probably doesn't bother me talking about it. Doesn't bother me bringing awareness of it 
um, is not a problem to me at all. I've spent the last um, 15 years, of my, 15 months of my life doing nothing but that, in in, in all honesty. So it's, um, you know, I talked I talk previously about the the day my, dr- my dream came true, the, the day I was told um, City, a City team wanted to sign me. I was a 10-year-old kid. I was playing for um, my town team, Eccles, as an underage player in the under-11s. And um, we, we'd played against a, a team... Um, that was connected to City, a City nursery team, well-known City nursery team, well-known coach, uh, probably more well-known now. Um, and um, I was just told that we we got beat four 0 in the game. I obviously did enough to um, impress the impress the coach, and he asked me to go along. And even now, despite what happened over the next sort of two or three years, in terms of being being abused by that coach. That still remains one of the most amazing days of my life. That you know, because all I ever wanted to do was, at that stage, was play for Man City. It was there was no, never any thought about going and playing for just being a footballer, going and playing for somebody else. I wanted to play for Man City, and it was my team, and and it, it had happened, and, I, and and my chance was there. So, um, and and in terms of the football element of that, nothing, nothing went. Anyway, other than it, it, it should have done. I, I played, I did okay, I progressed, I scored a lot of goals, um, and came out of that as a as a fourteen year old signing for um, City as, an, as a schoolboy. Still remained within City's nursery setup, but the um, you know that coach had moved on, another coach, other coach had come in, and, and that carried on, and became an apprentice. So it all happened as it should have done. Unfortunately, in the middle of that, I got. Um, embroiled in that, embroiled in, or became a victim of of that coach who's infamous now. And um, I think very, very early on, I would guess uh, in his predatory um, path, if you like, um, and 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 also having having attended the court for the trial recently and and heard the atrocities really that that happened to to other lads, other victims, and. People I, I know well now and I'd call, call friends now. Um, you know, I've got to say, I, I, I was one of the lucky ones. I, I was sexually abused. The level of that abuse was um, not not nice, but not nowhere near as unpleasant and, and, and um, vicious, if you like, aggressive as has happened to, to others. Um, I think I was, you know, we'd certainly gone past the... the well past the grooming part and 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 onto the abuse, but it was uh, three or four occasions, and and the level of abuse didn't get to what these other guys have have suffered. So it was, it's just one of those things. You, it happens. First happened to me. Uh, I was in Mallorca. Um, I was there, um, pretty much on my own with this guy. Something you you wouldn't kind of expect to happen now, um, given ev- what everybody knows in, in this day and age. So you've nowhere to nowhere to go. You, you, you can't cry out. I'm in a hotel room. Nobody, literally back then, at a time when you go to a hotel in Spain, they, they don't speak English. They don't. I'm an 11-year-old kid. I don't have any money. Um, I haven't got my passport. I wouldn't know what to do if I had any money. I wouldn't, you know, it, it's... No mobile phone. You've nothing, obviously, no mobile, mobile phone for those... Youngsters among us, amongst us listening, no internet. There, there is no way of of me communicating anything to anybody. And this is a 
a trait of the the predatory paedophile. They'll create that isolation. Um, having spent, you know, many weeks and months grooming your parents, gaining trust, obviously gaining immense trust for me to be for me to be out there with him in the first place. Um, once you've, you've that isolation's there. Somebody attack you in the street, you'd shout out, you'd scream. You know, even as a kid, I think you'd do that. But you don't have that opportunity. Even if I'd have done that, nobody would have heard me. Nobody would listened. So these are the situations these these evil people create. And 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 then you, so in all honesty, you you you're stuck. You you the, the fears in terms of, um, you know, obviously the, the initial fear is what if I tell anybody what will what will they do? You know, I don't I don't think I ever I don't think I ever thought I won't be believed. I think I was credible enough as a even as a kid then and um to that I'd have been believed. It's what actions would other people have taken. And obviously the big fears are what will my dad do, what will my parents do? Clearly I think anybody listening now as a parent you know would you know, I don't think they'd have to ring in and tell us what they do. Um and and what will the consequences of that be? And even as a ten year old, eleven year old kid you, you the all these things are going through your mind. And, you know, you, you do conclude that, I, you know, I'll probably lose my dad. I, my dad will probably go to prison. He'll do something, and probably rightly so, that he'll end, up, he'll end up in prison. So, you know, do I suffer what's going on or do I lose my dad? And you, and I don't think there's any any decision to make there, in all honesty. And that's an absolute common thread among, amongst uh, victims and survivors of, um, of, of abuse. You then... You've, you know, you've got your dream, your dream's ahead of you, and your the the myth in your mind, the belief in your mind is that um, this person is your only way to play for Man City. And bear in mind, for me, as I said, I'm you know I'm sort of restating now. I just wanted to play for Man City. I could if if somebody had said you won't be a footballer, it wouldn't have bothered me. It was it was playing for Man City. I wanted to play for Man City and. And to me, this guy was the only route. That was the myth that was created um, primarily by that person. Well, some strong stuff um, from David White. We'll be back right after this break with more. Well, welcome back. As you know, we're talking to David White, the former Manchester City player. And just a warning that there is some strong, potentially distressing content throughout this interview. And uh, as we resume this conversation now, I asked him how he dealt with what he'd had to go through in such difficult times thought processes that victims go through are absolutely the same all the time. You accommodate into the situation, you you become the protector, if you like, within your family as an eleven year old kid and you get on with life and that and that's it. And then and you don't in in my case, um I then got on with my life for um eighteen years. Never never spoke to anybody about that abuse that had taken place. Um, just various reasons throughout the different stages of my life why I didn't came across the fella a couple of times said nothing which which in many ways are worse memories than the than the abuse because you you know as a as a twenty twenty one probably year old kid I was I was um, I was playing for Man City regularly I was scoring goals regularly I was in England under twenty one international I was winning national monthly awards. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, I was uh, not at the height of my powers. I don't think as a footballer, but not not a million miles off. Yet still not strong enough to deal with this guy who's walking around my training pitch with two ten, eleven year old lads, and me 
knowing potentially what, well, likely what was what was happening, and 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 that's a that's a moment I'll never ever forget, and I'll never ever forgive myself for. But that's what I did, and 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 that just made me feel, and still does, makes me feel so weak as a person, um, and that I'm you know he's the guy's is this guy's still in control, and. And you even felt that up up to the last twelve months of my life, where we're going through court cases and 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 this that or other that are, are, are stopping me doing the things that I want to do. And you still feel like he's. I've still felt up until a month ago that he's in in some way in control of my life. So and you very deliberately, or it feels that way, not said his name. He, no, he's Barry Bennell. I'm I'm doing that for you. Too. <laughs> I'm, I I don't have an issue with saying his name. I went to court. Um, uh, he wasn't in court. I think we all know he wasn't in court. He chose to not. He chose to sat in to sit in prison somewhere, um, somewhere down south, and and be on a video link. And we 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 sat there. I sat there with my wife. I sat there with my son. I sat there with my daughter, the brother, and you know we we saw him on that big on the on the screen for many many hours a day. I was there with uh, colleagues. I was there with Paul Stewart, um, and we sat through a large portion of that court case and seeing his face hearing his name didn't bother me at all because i, I you know I, I do feel back in control now I, I feel not necessarily now he's been convicted and he's going to spend probably the rest of his life in prison i just i just feel as though i've got control back of that part of my life if you like so uh, no issue you know i've had to spend a lot of time talking about the guy over the last 15 months and and in many ways doing that is is helpful and i was um having um basically not said anything to anybody for for these 18 years in in 94 he was he was arrested in um in the states uh for for rape um my dad at that time couldn't believe it um, asked me, you know, and again, I'm. I was now. Um, I was at Leeds. I, I was back home visiting my dad, and 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 he asked me, "Can you believe any of this?" And and I said, "No." I said, "No, I can't." I can't. Did Did you ever hear anything? No, because you're still in protective mode. Protecting, mold, protecting my dad, and and um, you and, you felt without putting the words in your mouth that if your dad knew that he'd been dropping you off at his house. Yep. encouraging you to go on this trip to New York, et cetera, that he would blame himself. He absolutely, my dad absolutely would have done. He'd been wrong, but there is there is Just no... Just as you're wrong to blame yourself, by the way. Well, I, and I, I do, and I understand that, uh, but, you know, this, my, dad, my dad would have been wrong, and but knowing my dad, um, as I did, and as I do, that's what he, he would never forgive himself, I, and I know and understand that, and I don't regret that decision... Even to this day, and if my dad was still alive today, we would not be sitting here having this conversation. It, so, it, so you you kept this a secret until your dad passed away, and then you unloaded a bit. Did I you? kept it a secret from my dad because uh, there came a point. There came a point in time in point in time of in about ninety eight that we'd been through the ninety four. He 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 was um, got himself in, in got himself arrested in the states. At that point, I allowed my dad to send money because the guy and it trans you know i, I know now he was re, he was basically contacting everybody Amazing. loads of people who he'd been abused by this came out in court um 
saying he was he needed money, he needed bail money, he needed this. Uh, a few people had a conversation at the time, and my dad sent a few hundred quid. I know he did, and I let him do that. And again, there's a, that's another moment where I, you you just you sat with a moral quandary that you think what you know I can let my dad send two hundred quid, or I can unload all this on him, and 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 it's it's only really when you when you realise that he went to prison and then, you know, they, we, we we don't know that he abused after that. You know, I've got me, got my own personal views on that. He spent, either, you know, he spent a long time in prison in the States or and then here. And then he, he spent a long time out of prison before, before being put back in in uh, 2015. So, uh, so I've got my own, 2013, so I've got my own, Absolutely, got my own views as to whether he did or not. And again, you know, the 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 selfishness and the and the that I feel about that is, and then, and again, this is everybody. This is people who weren't abused. I've, I've spoken to who, who are feeling guilty um, just because they didn't say something when they 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 thought something might have been happening. You go through all those things. Ninety eight, um, I think ninety seven, ninety eight. I got a call from. Cheshire Police, I guess it would be, or Greater Manchester Police, asking me about um, Benel. I said, um, I, I agreed to meet with him in the house next door. I felt it's the police, I, I have to do that. Um, and in, and panicked, to be, to be perfectly honest, thought, well, this is it. This is, it's now all going to have to come out. Um, drove home from Sheffield, I was at Sheffield United, in a literally a blind panic, having arranged to meet the police the next day. Um, I had to tell um, my wife and it, it was just the most surreal situation I think kids were at school at the time um, and within minutes my brother was there and my, my sister-in-law and everybody was I'm sat in a room, everybody's crying well this is something that happened to me 18 years ago, I'm, I'm sat there thinking, well, and I'm, everything's always fine, don't worry about it I'm okay, I'm, you know, I'm okay and, and they don't, it's just a a major, major shock to them, and 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 then I had the twenty four hours to just think about what to do. I called a good friend who I knew would give me some pretty sound advice, and 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 that advice was, you know, you he, he basically said to me, "You you worried about your dad?" And I said, "Well, yeah, that's all I'm worried about. I wasn't worried about me at all. My career was um, pretty much finished by then. Yeah, it was. I think I played my last game." So, you know, I wasn't, um, there was no personal concerns at all. It was just my dad and my, and my parents and my mum. And, and I I was thinking about my dad in May because he was, he was, my mum and dad had um, separated and it was my dad that was taking me. And, and, and I didn't really understand the profound effect it would have on my mum. And I didn't protect my mum as much as, as I, as I did my dad, and that makes me feel bloody awful as well. But if the, over David, you, no, no, I know. But I'm just, I'm through, just trying, you... yeah. But I'm just trying to explain what the the thought process I go through. The we then um, uh, I basically lied to the police in 1997, 98. So uh, they were trying to put a case together here. Uh, they had some lads who'd come forward. One of whom is now a very, very good friend of mine. Ian Ackley works with me with in. Uh, with the um, the 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 organisation we we've, we've set up, and you you but again you just be you are in self protective mode and you're protecting parents and protecting me dad and you think you're doing the right thing, 
And then beyond that, for the next, that was 98, um, I told my mum a fairly weak moment in, in the early sort of 2000s, I guess. Um, and then we managed up until 2010 when my dad passed away for him to not know. And, and another, um, in the meantime, a lot of other people very close to me did know because it just became natural for me to talk about. If anything came up on that, rather than lie, I, w I would I would say, well, I need, I'll tell you this. And, and again, you'd get the same reaction. They were very, they'd be upset for you. And, cry, and, and then... And then that was it, and I and I was able to build up a, what I would call a support network around me that um, that let me sort of cope with all that stuff. But um, and then my dad passed away in two thousand and ten, and that was the point at which I thought, right, well, I'm my mum, mum already knew, and and thought, well, there's nothing left to, you know, my dad's gone, I don't need to keep quiet about this now, and, and probably that was that was the point at which I thought. If I'm going to write a book, um, it's going to be honest and truthful and it's going to include everything because, unfortunately, all of that that had happened had, had had a real sort of profound effect on my relationship with my dad. We had a great relationship, don't get me wrong, but the one thing... My dad would have done anything for me. You know, it, I mean, you know my dad, you know my dad very well, and um, any... The lengths he went when I had a physical injury to keep me fit and keep me on the pitch or to protect me when I couldn't be on the pitch were were crazy. You know, you know. I, I mean, there was a point when I was at school, high school, where he he was literally, I, I would start walking to school and my dad wouldn't be at home and then his car had just passed me and he'd, he'd get me in and take me to school and then he'd, he'd seem to be there at night as well and it was all random places but... I, for weeks, I'd never walked to school or back from school, and I didn't work it out. But it was because he'd been told I, I basically couldn't. walk. I was, I was suffering with a, an issue at the time, and he didn't. He was protecting me, saying, because it, it was potentially a pretty dangerous thing. Um, and the doctor had said you need to keep him off his feet, and it, rather than tell me and worry me, he just kept picking me up everywhere, and and there was so there was unbelievable lengths he'd go to to help me with my football and help me with my injuries, and and we used to have a. Because we'd have a small slate bed snooker table at the house, and, and I can remember hours and hours he'd spend stretching my legs, stretching my groins, and 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 literally hours every single day to keep me fit. And then, and if he'd have known about this, if we could have got over the the problems it would have caused him, he would have done everything in the world. He'd have, he'd have, he'd have had me in the best sports psychologist, psych. He'd he'd have, he'd have sorted me out. But I couldn't tell him. So the thing I needed, I needed him most for, I couldn't tell him about. And that then became, and then he didn't understand me. So he didn't understand my, um, I think most City fans would say I could be, and I, I'm not afraid to say it now, I could be, on my day I was devastating. I was a brilliant player on my day. I, I know that. And I hope, I don't mean to sound big-headed by saying that. And I'll back it up by saying the next day I could be crap. I, You know, and, and my... My, my form was so up and down and and uh, and that get that was such a problem to me because it just filled me with insecurity and um, and I quite often you know I'd look at other players who were maybe seven out of ten every single game and I, I'd be jealous of them you know I'd say, I wish I could just be 
that consistent and you know not you know it wasn't consistently it was just consistently okay consistently good maybe in and out of the team a little bit but you know because I didn't want to hit those lows and not be able to really understand why and I didn't and you you shy away from dealing with the problem that it's it's like um do you want to go and see a a psychologist psychiatrist and I would say no because I thought I'll get found out and if I get found out it it's only leading back one place and, and again that was me that was my dad so so that's that's what it was all about during my career as reluctant as I am to stop you in full flow um, no we'll, we want to talk a little bit about your career as well but thanks for for being so open and honest and I hope that people listening to you have also taken some comfort especially if people have been in any sort of abusive relationship themselves that the way you know that you're a human being and you you've expressed the way that you have struggled with this you may not be breaking down in tears and you may not you know you may feel as if you're coping with it but you've actually struggled with this all your life and I, I think in a way you're an inspiration because the human flaws that you have are things that people can relate to so thanks for sharing that no and we'll continue to talk a bit more about your career after this you're listening to Forever Blue on XS Manchester 106.1 FM. I'm Ian Cheeseman and with me today is David White, former City player. Um, and if you've been listening to the story so far, then you will know what a life David had even before his career really started and certainly what how it's affected his career and his later life as well. But you had a fantastic career with Manchester City. And before I move on to some of the highlights of that, you've talked about the abuse that you suffered and... and, and uh, you know, the repercussions of that in your life and family. How have City been with you? Have you had a, a discussion with them? Um, they, pro- <laughs> they probably had enough of me, to be fair. Uh, they, they've been abs- under under what I consider to be really difficult circumstances for them. They, they've been incredible. They, they really, really have. I think um, originally, um, probably be- before they kind of had a chance to... Um, work out was going on. I, I, con- I contacted the club in all honesty early on to say, look, I'm, I can't, I don't want this because I made a statement last, um, I think last November, November 16, like I don't want this to, you know, break up a relationship with us. Don't be feared of, of calling me and, and it has absolutely never been like that at all. As I think and you don't aware. blame City in any way? No, I think it was a, it's, it was a long, long time ago in a, a much, it's just, it's just ages ago. Things were so, so different then. You know, I think if it if it happened now, um, given the setup of the club and given legislation, you know, that, then I don't think there's anywhere to hide now. In all honesty, but we are talking about an era where there was a handful of people at the club. You know, but you take it away away from the the playing staff. Um, you know, I, I can remember the chairman. You, you'd see, you'd see directors coming in maybe for board meetings once a month, once a quarter or something. Um, Bernard, he was a commercial manager and, and a, somebody answering the phone. And, and you know, that that was how things were, were set up. So they do it. I've said all along that City are, City are doing their own investigation. Um, I said at the time, you know, I, I would trust the, the, honest, the honesty, the integrity, the thoroughness of that investigation. And I've witnessed that. I've, I've I've contributed to it. Um, I've contributed to it personally. I've seen the the care that has been put around um, individuals. The you know be they survivors or victims or just be they witnesses. They, they've interviewed 
everybody, to my knowledge, that they, they've been able to contact um, who was just around at the time. And, and there is there's absolutely no way they were going to ever hide from anything. And there is, But there is no way they can anyway, <laughs> even if they wanted to. And I think, <clears throat> you know, it, it's... Um, they're doing everything the right way in terms of the investigation. And I've said all along, I, I will, whatever that says, whatever that concludes, I, I will, I will trust, you know. And and um, so there's that element of it. There's then just the element of um, care. Um, and I think myself and the other lads that I I'm aware of, um, Paul Stewart will be tested. Although Paul Paul was abused, but not not within City. He's, he's been looked after. It's it's been. I think it's been incredible to to be honest with you. It, the 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 club, um, you know, they've been as far as I'm concerned. A credit to me as an ex-player, and a credit to the um, credit to the fans. They've said all along, you know, they've uh, they bought a club with 1894 on the badge, and they they can't hide away from that, and they're not gonna, and they don't want to hide away from that. You can't you can't buy something and and have all the good and and not the bad, and they've they've. You've said that all along to me, and I've believed them all along, and I've no doubt, no reason to doubt why that won't be the case. So well, that, they, that, they have been good incredible. Hear. Let's talk a little bit then about your career. We haven't got as long as maybe we would have done had it, but this has I, overshadowed. I won't, I won't to tell lies, then, will it? <laughs> Shades of blue is, yes. is obviously represents the fact that the blue <laughs> in your heart uh, of the the terrible things that have happened, but also yep. the blue in your heart as a city player and. There are so many things I could pick out now and I could I could say we could talk about the youth team, the great youth team and the victory and all the players there. I remember distinctly you making your debut at Luton and yeah. the thing that stands out in my mind, it'll be different from your memory, is that was a day when David Evans and away fans were banned. He was the chairman of Luton. I was there, had sneaked in with a membership card and I was sat near your dad watching you, him make, you know, he, he'd gone with Fred Eyre, hadn't he, to the game? Yes, he, he was and, uh, time, yeah. And you came on as a substitute, I think, for Trevor Christie or somebody like that. That was the sort of I era remember it was. more than me, yeah. <laughs> this, that, was, that was my league debut. I'd, I'd, I'd played... I'd come on as a sub at South End in, in a League Cup game. Funnily enough, me, but my dad was home in an When my dad had gone everywhere to every single game I'd ever played that I could remember. Although you know, and and um, South End, I'd, I'd got in the squad for the South End game. I think I'd been in a few squads, um, and he's been. But we, it was it was one sub back then, wasn't it? You know, yeah, so yeah. you you were literally you'd take thirteen players. I mean, that's we 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 travelled down to London, take thirteen players, and uh, and I was. You know, for quite a few games, I I was the thirteenth man, and you wouldn't get changed. You get a ticket for the stand, and um, and South End, um, it was a League Cup game. I'm pretty sure there was two, might have been three, but I think it was two subs. Um, my dad was umming and ahhing as to whether to go, um, and I think more more importantly, Billy McNeil had lo- had went had gone to South, uh, Villa that the either the day he literally left on the coach. He he got on the coach at. Um, England's coaches uh, with us. We got to Bucklow Hill where we'd pick, pick up some of the lads who lived out that area and he literally stood up and said, I'm leaving and got off the coach and that was it. <laughs> and Fris, Fris became manager. So whether whether that was, you know, Billy had put me in squads but not picked me in the in the squad. Fris decided that he was going to give me Michelle on the bench. There was two people on the bench. My dad, unaware of all this, was um and ah whether to commit to drive to Southend to not see me play. And I think Fred had said to him, 
don't be daft. You you know, having done all everything you've done, you don't want to miss a debut, and, and it might be today. And as it happened, my dad took um, took on Fred's Fred's advice, drove down to Southend, probably with Fred, I guess, at the time, and um, and I don't know who it was. Somebody somebody got injured. Might have, might be Ian Brightwell, I think. And uh, and I got on there, and as you say, Luton, all great memories. When people ask me what's your favourite, I, I would say every single progression I ever made. So. You know, the the day I, I was asked to, to play for City, the day I signed, signed for City as a 10-year-old, the day I signed as a 14-year-old, you know, every single debut. My my A-team debut was uh, with you missed at home. It was, uh, we drove to drove to Platte Lane and um, it was absolutely frozen solid to pitch. I was devastated and, and Tony Buck called us over and said, we're, we're playing at Main Road doing the soil heating's been on. I made my debut for City. You know, my, my first... As a striker game. winger, there's a certain yeah. irony in playing against you missed. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. you never missed. <laughs> scored. <laughs> I know, I scored. That we won 4-0, I scored at the Platte Lane. And um, you team debut, every single debut, first team debut. My actual first game was Dundee, Dundee away. I still find myself on Google Earth looking at those two grounds <laughs> next to each other. And, you know, and saying to that's where that's where I made my debut. It's in massive events. And then... So I was lucky. I got three debuts for, you know, for official debuts for the first team. Come on as a sub at Leicester away. Sorry, Southend away. League as a sub, Luton away. And then following Saturday, we played Leicester at home and I started, which was, that. I mean, that was that was it, really. That was the one that, you know, they can never, never take that away from you. And it, it, we, got, we actually lost the game, but it went really well. You know, I... Um, People didn't know about me. I, I was quick. I surprised, I surprised one or two, and and I played. Although we lost the game, I, I played played really well, and then managed to. I think I played thirty games that season, which wasn't bad. But having, having had, having been pretty prolific, particularly for a, a wide player, throughout my period at City, I, I think I scored one in thirty for the first team, which straight away, because of my mind, started to worry me, um, and it was, it was just. I don't know when it when it came right, but very possibly around the the Huddersfield game, the ten one, obviously, which is a memorable game. I think I'd, if I remember right, this was this was the Paul Stewart season where Paul came and and was just phenomenal. He, he was just unbelievable. But I think one of the one of the although it was a, in the lower league, one of the best that that we ever had during during my period of time there. Um, and Paul and I just started scoring a load of goals. I think I got two at Swindon. Away, I think I remember my dad saying, "I think he had a chance for a, for a hat trick," and and he was pinching himself, and then he just thought, you know, it's too too early for him to be scoring hat trick for City. And I think the next next week or week after, I did, and you know, in the ten one, which was just a an unbelievable game. And again, I just as a City fan, I just it, I just feel honoured that you know I was involved in that game, and but to get the three goal, to get the three goals, and to be. It's never going to be beating three hat tricks no, in a no. game, is it? You, I don't think ten goals. Only Adcock I mean, and Paul Stewart. at any level, and and to get nine and ten, you know, when the crowd are, are you know shouting, we willing want, it, we in. want ten, we want ten, and <laughs> and to be the the person that got that opportunity, the player that got that opportunity to to do that was it was just an incredible memory. Um, well, I, I, there's others. I, I mean, obviously, I, I I wonder which is the biggest highlight for you: the yeah. Youth Cup win, which obviously stands out in my mind against United over two legs. Yeah. Uh, the five-one, uh, the ten-one that you've mentioned. You scored four goals at Aston Villa. Uh, there may be other games that I'm not thinking of that you yeah, think. I well, think, you I know think, what? 
<coughs> no, I prefer this one. Oh, that was my favourite. Yeah, memory. from a personal level, uh, I mean, the, the five one, although it was great, it doesn't. Uh, I struggle. I struggle to celebrate that in all honesty because it was. It was. It was the only result I ever got against them, and uh, they were great one. They were, well, I know, but they were battering <laughs> us every every other game, weren't they? And, and it was a it was a false dawn, and we were getting beat six 0 at Derby a few weeks later, and the manager was losing his job, so. I do struggle to celebrate it in all honesty and, and I don't think it was until Kevin Keegan came to the club where we, we really went toe to toe with United and started to, to um compete on on a, a level playing field again. we certainly didn't when I when I was there. When I was at the club and so I think the two probably the three other games would probably be I, sc- I scored two braces against Liverpool home and away one season, which were just Memorable, fantastic. The first one was a, a brilliant night game at uh, Main Road. I think the first game of the season, it was, you know, you watch that game on TV now, it just looks absolutely incredible. And I scored, scored a, a good first goal, then a bit of a controversial second one, left footer, um, which probably didn't go over the line, but it's, I think it still counts. Last it's in the record looked, books. Last time I looked, it counted, <laughs> yeah. And then we went to Anfield, and Anfield was still the ground to go to, really. We, you know, Liverpool were still the... The team, even though they were probably weighing at that time, they were. That was the place where, if you got any kind of result, you you were you you were doing well. And we were one nil down, and then I scored I scored two uh, early on in the second half. We were, we were put two one two one ahead, and uh, unfortunately, I think it might be Stevie Nichol who scored at the equaliser. But so, so those four goals, great memories for me, and um, and then. The one that stands out is obviously to to go anywhere away from home. Villa was my favourite ground without without a doubt before this happened, and we beat them five one. Absolutely battered them, and I got four and made the other. And it was just one of those nights where everything just everything went right. And my third goal in particular was uh, you know we started the interview by saying you know by saying that I was I was a dedicated kid when I was when I was playing. It, it was you know literally I put hours and hours and hours and hours into. That's you know into that type of finish you know a, the a bending a bending finish stands you know that was the dream finish and, and it even I can it, picture it now myself can, I can hear so I can it, imagine cause, you yeah because <laughs> it, it was it, more than anything where the ball lands and the sound it makes is it that was dreams come true and I think it was I scored my fiftieth goal for the club that night whether it was that one I think it maybe wasn't but uh, that goal that goal is without a doubt the the best memory because to me that was just uh, I was. I'd scored two. We were winning the game. I was on fire, and and I looked up and just knew I may as well have just picked the ball up and took it back because I I could have get told you. I knew exactly what was going to happen, and it did because the goal looked a million miles wide to me, and and uh, and that's what confidence does for you. And and that's where we go back to when I was at that level of confidence. I you know I was as good as anybody in that era. I know I know I was, and. Uh, and that's the frustration that if if I could have maybe got rid of the demons and and been at that level of confidence the whole time, my career would have been a lot better. I'm massively proud of the career I had been, but it would it could have been an awful lot better. I'd have been able to my mind been able to allow me to be at that level of confidence um, confidence more. So I think they'd be the games. Obviously, I play for England. It's a, it's a was that a fa- you had one appearance and uh, 
you were you missed a chance in that game yeah, that, that you might not ordinarily have scored. Was that still part of this demons thing? Do you think? Because you never no, went on to no, get no, setting I, cap. I, I just no, I just think it was a it was maybe a one off opportunity, and maybe it'd have had to have been pretty special that night. I think there were certainly players. It was a weakened squad. There's no doubt about that. There were players who who would were always going to come back into the squad. I think maybe Trevor Stephen at the time, one or two others. Um, and so it was a weakened squad, and, and I think I was going to have to do very, very well. Um, Rodney Wallace got injured the day before, and probably would have played instead of me. I, I was, it was although I scored a lot of goals at that point during that season. It was a the opportunity came. Um, I was fairly maybe fortunate to actually get the opportunity to get that number seven shirt on the night, and and it didn't bother me missing that chance because it, I, I was more concerned about can I get myself in a goal scoring opportunity at this level. That was always I knew I could score goals. You know, we, I was playing. I thought Tony Corkin was one of the best goalkeepers this country's ever seen. You know, and I was I was playing against him every day in training, scoring goals for fun every day in training. So. Zubi Zaretta being a goal, it didn't that didn't bother me. The fact of the matter is, I got myself in a great goal scoring position. I hit the target, a brilliant goalkeeper saved it. You know, and, and I came away from that thinking, well, next time I score it won't be a problem. It was the issue was can you can you lose that better defender? Can you get yourself in, in that position? Um and then so it, it wasn't anything to do with that. At that point, my ankle was in a much, much more serious condition than I believed it was um you know that was september 92 i went to leeds december 93 having had a really bad knock on my ankle in the meantime and um and, I, and then i had i think i had four operations on my ankle in the next three three or four years i had an operation every basically every every uh, year beyond that and uh so that was it. Was it was absolutely my my loss of form was absolutely to do with my injury and nothing else in my in my view. These days, obviously, we're going full circle, really, in a way. Your big passion is save, understandably, yeah. which is an organisation which is to try to help pre- prevent what happened to you happening again. I've been with you at the House of Lords. I've heard you speaking with passion to to people of influence, and I know that one of the things you want to achieve, for example is that we're at the moment, if you're a CRB check, that day you can be CRB checked. Um, obviously, if you're working with kids and you can get a clean bill of health, mm-hmm. you can commit a crime a week later and it won't be picked up because that CRB check lasts for three years and in Scotland it's reported immediately. Yeah. I know that's <clears> at the centre of what you want to do. It, 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 it's, yeah, it, listen, there's, there's a, an, we've learned an awful lot over the last 15 months. We, we've been fortunate enough to be, we, you know, we have spent a lot of time with the FA, as I say, the club have engaged with us incredibly. We've been to the um, to the Disclosure and Barring Services. We've, you know, we've met, met with the CPSU, we've met with the NSPCC. A lot of these people, by the way, they're heads of these organisations, the City fans. It's unbelievable, unbelievable how, how fortunate that is for Paul and I, but to to save his um, safeguarding and victim engagement, we're 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 looking. We we wanted to find what we were, and we we thought you say we you can speak with passion. The survivors' voice is a an unbelievably powerful voice, and delivered to the right people, delivered to coaches and parents, and so we thought that's what we need to do. So we when we're raising money, and we've got a big dinner uh, at the Etihad on April the twentieth. It's going to be absolutely incredible. If anybody. Um, you know, is interested in that. I'm sure you you'll be able to pass out the the contact details for us. But we're we're raising money to it to put people through safeguarding training. 
pretty onerous thing now. But we've all done it. Paul Stewart's, you know, he's a colleague of mine now. Um, we've all we've all done it. We're getting ourselves to a position where we can go out and deliver that that training. We can deliver survivor messages, and because a lot of the systems that are in place are, are incredibly good, but disseminating them down to the people that need to have that information, and and a lot of that is about parents, by the way, and about. Um, parents engaging with with their clubs but as you say um you know clubs we're working with clubs at the minute with, with regarding uh dbs checks to say well you, you there is an option to go on the update service so whereby you can go to a club as a, as a coach or a volunteer you can go to a club and say i'll volunteer for the update service you can check me whenever you want and that and that's, that's a, that'll be forward, a massive massive route forward we're not gonna we're not gonna try and lobby to change legislation we have to work with what we're working with but the dbs they understand what they are the dbs are uh, discourage tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people to even apply for jobs that's where that's where their position is and i think that's where the dbs would say they are absolutely invaluable what they do system in scotland is better but that's not about that's not the dbs that's legislation that's where we are what we've got to work with there's loads of things we we can do engaging with um, with clubs and organisations to improve things, but we have, we have to have a a bottom up child centred and parental focus approach. We have to get those people engaging with a lot of the you know great systems that are in place. Well, listen, good luck with that. Um, Thank I've you heard very you, much. I've heard Paul Stewart. You are a, a people who, for different reasons and for probably the reasons you didn't want to be faced with, have become actually quite inspirational. You might not think that. But you are people that inspire other people and, and uh, are advocates for change and good change as well. So thanks for being so open and so honest. Thanks no for problem. telling us your story. Obviously, we'll hear from you again, I'm sure, soon, yeah. talking about contemporary city issues. But <laughs> for now, thanks very much, David. And Cheers, of course, Pat. we'll be back with Forever Blue next week. If you've been affected by what you've just heard, please contact a charity such as the Survivors Trust for advice and support. We've just tweeted a link to their website on at Manchester.